You're listening to The Byliners, presented by The Gateway. Excellent. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the debut episode of The Byliners, <laughs> which is the newest podcast from The Gateway. Um, I'm your host, Tom Dekezi. Uh, I'm a fifth year biology student here at the U of A and the arts and culture editor at The Gateway. Um, Before I go on introducing the actual show, I think I'm going to give the wonderful folks who are with me uh, a chance to introduce themselves. So like, you know, usually I would say something like, you know, and the person to my left is, uh, but we're we're recording over Zoom right now, so that really isn't an option. So I think I can just start with uh, Kadra. Do you want to introduce yourself real quickly? Yeah. Hello, people. Uh, My name is Kadra. I'm the news editor at The Gateway. Um, I'm a... Fifth year bio student, just like Tom. <laughs> Don't undersell yourself. The news queen at the gateway. That's a- I was about to say, and a queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow, wow. And and uh, who's that other lovely voice we got? Uh, my name is Mitchell. I'm the opinion editor at the gateway, and I'm in my fourth year of political science major, philosophy minor. Because I'm trying to trying to come up with those big brain ideas, but I'm. I'm still in Edmonton, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my big god! Brain, big brain thinking can happen in Edmonton. Uh, at least I've heard. I'm not sure. Rumors has it. Yeah, rumor has it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we also have another member of the crew, Pia. Uh, she's the online editor at the Gateway. Unfortunately, uh, Pia was feeling under the weather today, and she wasn't able to make this episode. But uh, hopefully, not COVID. Not COVID. She had tested negative for COVID. Thank goodness. Um, but hopefully you all get to know her in future episodes. So, you know, like I said before, The Byliners is uh, the newest podcast from The Gateway, which is the student-run magazine here at the University of Alberta. So, you know, if you're not familiar with The Gateway, we cover everything from U Alberta news and politics uh, to local and national issues, even pop culture, um, especially in the arts and culture section and opinion. So most of that happens on our website, thegatewayonline.ca. But we also publish a themed monthly print magazine that features long form pieces, uh, you know, some killer graphics and animations, crosswords, horoscopes, you know, fun quizzes. Like, in my opinion, I, I think it's the best thing that we do. Um, so that's pretty much just a rundown of, of what the gateway is. So if you're listening to this, you know, maybe you're asking yourself, like, you know, why are we making a podcast, um, especially why are we making it now? Um, I think it is fair to say we're a little late to the podcast game. I feel as though everyone at this point <laughs> has a podcast. Uh, but just to answer that question, you know, as magazine editors, you know, I think we are what you might call, you know, byliners, you know, we're people who are regularly writing articles. And I think it's safe to say that we're all lovers of, of the written word. We all love reading and writing and things like that. But at the same time, you can't deny how dominant podcasts have become in the last few years and and for good reason like i i know i'm really into podcasts because you can listen to podcasts you know while you're driving washing dishes cooking dinner doing homework um and like to be honest there's a way lower barrier of entry like i know even for myself you know i identify as a as a quote-unquote reader but if you give me the choice between like a 90-minute podcast or a 3,000 word article i'm almost always going to pick the podcast um, it's got to be pretty compelling to make me read that much. <laughs> um, so, you know, with all that in mind, we thought it would be a good idea to move the gateway into the podcast space and the byliners. It seemed like a, like a good first step. So, you know, just as listeners, what you can expect from the show, 
it's just a fun, casual, informal, maybe even occasionally uninformed conversation <laughs> of reacting to the week's biggest headlines um, in news, pop culture. And also, we always, we always want to have a special focus on U of A news, because obviously that's something that's super important. Um, episodes are going to be coming out every Monday afternoon on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, with this upcoming Monday, November 2nd, being our debut episode. Um, so the setup is a little bit strange. I'm, I'm actually going to hop into like a scripted section of, of this introduction just so I can get all the details right. But the episode we're recording today, the one you're listening to right now in your ears, hello ears, um, <laughs> is the debut episode. Um, but it's also a little bit strange because it'll be airing on CJSR as part of the Fund Drive, which is an annual fund fundraiser run by CJSR, uh, the U of A's campus radio station. So if you're listening to this episode on CJSR, the episode is going to be a little more heavily edited just because we want to fit it into the one hour time slot. Um, and it also feature fun drive appeals about every 15 minutes, but the version that's going up on Monday um, on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and all the streaming platforms, um, it'll actually be a little less heavily edited and it won't include the appeals. So with the exception of this intro I'm giving right now, um, the episode that you hear um, on podcasting platforms is going to be as close as possible to what you can expect from an episode of the byliners. So, you know, that's just about everything I have to say to introduce the podcast, um, except that I would encourage, you know, you, the listener, to, to really just grow with us on this podcast journey. Um, you know, let's, let's bring down the energy a bit. Um, so to be honest, like, actually, okay. <laughs> to be honest, like most of us have little to no prior podcasting experience. I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. Like, is anyone here secretly a, an expert podcaster? We only have expert TikTokers here in Katya. Yeah, Beyond yeah. that, that's whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, Mitchell, already blowing up her alias. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I would say like, you know, most of us here, we, we do have little to no pod, prior podcasting experience. experience. Yeah. Um, and I imagine, you know, we're all going to be getting better and better at this as we go along. So I encourage you as a listener to, to go through that process with us you know, hopefully as the podcast grows and, and so does the audience, we can even include things like audience questions or just, you know, some more interactive listener elements. Um, but that's just kind of where we are right now. You know, this is the first step on the journey and, uh, you know, we'd love it if you went along with us. Um, and also just another thing to keep in mind is that this show, it's not really about breaking news. If you want to, if you want to read breaking news, just check out Kadra's wonderful work at gateway online yes. uh, <laughs> thank you we were actually talking about it before the episode um, <laughs> me and mitchell before we met kadra i think we were both like pretty in awe of the fact that you could break news uh, <laughs> God, you guys were so funny i broke like one story so calm down kadra i don't know the alberta uh, magazine publishers association thinks otherwise they think you're pretty damn amazing too so <laughs> Pretty, honestly, pretty honestly like, like before I started ringing the gateway, the idea that like you could get news from something other than another newspaper <laughs> was amazing. <laughs> I was like, wait, I want to access information. Um, but anyway, <laughs> all to say, uh, you know, this this podcast, it's not about breaking news. Um, we're just here to kind of react to headlines, have fun with it, you know, letting our personalities guide us along the way. Um, the show format, it might change in the future, but for now episodes, they'll be starting with us, you know, just catching up, um, seeing how everybody's doing, and then we'll move into headlines and close the section, uh, specifically with a focus on the U of A. So, you know, 
all that out of the way, all the administrative stuff, housekeeping, um, welcome to the byliners, all that stuff's out of the way. Um, you know, that being said, I think a, a good question to ask everybody is, you know, how you been doing? How the last couple of weeks been? Kadra's got her dog with her. Um, that's that's a very classic like Zoom thing now that people just <laughs> Zoom cats, my friend. People you show up your cats in class. It's the best part of class. Yeah. Friends, say hi. He's looking out the window. He got things to look at. Yeah. But how's how's he's, it he's trying to break news? Oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, I know obviously with online schooling, like people, I think online schooling is slowly breaking everyone down. Like I know there were certain people Definitely. who the first couple months were saying, "Oh, this is great! I can wake up whenever." But even those people, like when I'm revisiting with them and talking to them, even some of those people are are saying, "I'm I'm I'm done." Um, are we? Are oh, we? hundred percent. Uh huh. Uh. Yeah, Mitch. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we literally <laughs> published. We literally published a story called "Online Courses Are Harder Than Normal Courses" in the opinion section, and it's trending still multiple days later. Um, and I think it's because students. It resonates. It's true. We're done with it. Please, I miss our, I never words. I never thought I'd say. I miss my Tory lecture halls. Please let me come back. Um, please give me that hub food again. Um, waiting for Subway. Yeah, I'm missing it. Yeah, honestly, like even I was, I was definitely one of those people who, at the beginning, I thought to myself, this is a lot easier. And I think also just for me personally, like I'm taking less classes this semester, so it's not as much as much work as I had uh, in previous years. But in these last couple of weeks, like stuff just really, it like sneaks up on you. And sometimes you just sit there and you're just sitting, staring at the same wall you've been staring at for the last like, yeah. And just the nihilism sinks in. You're like, why am I learning this? Why, <laughs> like, what's the point? why does any of this matter? You're like, yeah, there's literally a global pandemic going on. We're in the middle of a, of a depression. You know, the world's on fire yeah. and I'm sitting here writing yeah. critical responses. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> you ain't wrong. You accurate. It's, yeah, um, dark-sided. Um, and yeah, higher education, where is she? I've learned nothing this semester other than how to embarrass <laughs> myself over Zoom. Um, <laughs> so. yeah. What's the most yeah. embarrassing thing you've done over Zoom? Ooh. Uh, enter into an SU council meeting with the name Mitch Bitch um, instead of my actual <laughs> name um, in the middle of the president of the university giving a lecture too um, so it wasn't like it was just a normal council meeting um, I had to have yeah 100% um, had to have the president of the university probably be like who is Mitch Bitch um, what counselor are they <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if that's like the, obviously Okay, this isn't part of the headlines, but did y'all hear about like Jeffrey Tubin last week? The, the no, CNN? Mitch, did you hear about him? No, and oh, okay, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is gonna make the CJSR episode, but he was this. Uh, <laughs> I know he works the New Yorker, he works the New Yorker, and they're doing like, oh, oh my god, yes, <laughs> sorry, I exactly. The light bulb I almost off pitched this head. out. <laughs> I, thought, I was considering pitching it out because it's wild. wild. <laughs> okay, so Mitch, you understand why this this might not make it. <laughs> but, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, so he, like the New Yorker, they're doing a. Actually, I'm amazed you didn't hear about this, Cadre. Like it was, Twitter was a flame with it, but um, <laughs> under a rock. 
they were doing this like election simulation over over zoom and like they had one person playing trump another person playing biden someone playing the courts all these different things um uh-huh. and then i think they took a break at some point and then they come back and they just see yeah he's masturbating like he has his <laughs> jeffrey Tubin, who um i think i don't know i don't know what what capacity he worked for the new yorker for. Uh, he was a legal advisor legal commentator this sounds kind of familiar yeah Yeah. so he was just masturbating and um and the camera's on why his his idea like his allegation is that he he says he doesn't know that like the zoom meeting could see him that he thought he was in like another call yeah, he said he thought he muted the video, I'm, which kind of sums up everything. Yeah. That one sentence. <laughs> I no. muted the video. Yeah. I know, but like, of all times to yeah. masturbate, why don't you just wait till later? What's what's so pressing about it? Hey, man, sometimes. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No. That's a joke, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, well, and the Zoom call they were in was a debate, like a debate. Like not satire, but like a debate. Like they were they were modeling yeah. the debate between Joe Biden and yeah. Donald yeah. Trump, and it's like I don't know why that would be attractive. He likes attention. Um, <laughs> yeah, like if it's a voyeuristic thing. Yeah, that's uh, gross. creepy. I don't know, but um, well, the thing about it is though is that on Twitter people were tweeting in support of him. There were people that literally were like masturbating on a Zoom call shouldn't lose you your job, and it's like. That's still sexual harassment, y'all. Yeah. Still sexual harassment. Doesn't matter if it's virtual workplace. Yeah, like especially still. like I think the fact that his camera's on is a very big, uh, a very big distinction that has to be made. Um, but all that to say, hopefully, as listeners, um, I know you might be suffering from Zoom exhaustion, but hopefully, none of you have <laughs> sunk to Jeffrey Tubin's depths yet. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers, if you if you have. <laughs> Lots of prayers. <laughs> yeah, T-H-O-T. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Kadra, I don't think you gave uh, us know how you doing, how you holding up. With all I feel like quarantine's definitely getting to me. I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of not over it. I understand the importance and all. I'm just, like, mentally not checked in as much anymore. Yeah. My coping mechanisms are weird. And I feel like when you work at the gateway, like... There's a lot of pressure to like, especially with news, to like cover everything and to always be on top of things. But like, it's just so hard. I don't know when you're like sitting at home all day and like the pandemic's happening and like mm. now I know a family member with COVID. It's just like it's so much right now. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I remember, it comes in ways, right? I remember that was a conversation people were having earlier about should we even ask people how are you doing anymore? Because I don't think there's, I think there's a very, very few people would say, oh, these have been the last, like the best eight months of my life, you know? Um, I think everybody's in a kind of in a dark spot. And so even like to ask someone like, how are you doing? Because the the almost reflexive answer is, yeah, I'm doing good. It's like, yeah, what do you mean good? <laughs> You're probably unemployed, <laughs> yeah. stuck at home. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what does good mean at this point? Yeah, um, honestly. So patience, patience is really important right now with yourself and others is what I'm finding. Amen. Yeah, so let's move into, let's move into headlines. I think this is the meat of the show, just where we react to the the biggest things which happened in in life and news and all those wonderful things. 
Um, so like I said before, if you're listening to this, um, like on Apple podcast, Spotify, or anything like that, um, this is coming out on November 2nd, which means that tomorrow, 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 um, is the U S election. Yay. Do we have any like preliminary feelings just about the election? I don't imagine anyone's like excited about it. I have so many, especially as like I'm in American politics right now. Um, yeah. So I talk about the election a lot more than I would care to. Um, yeah, I mean, just like just to give a quick rundown to viewers, like I mean, everyone's eyes are going to be on a few key states um, on election night, um, specifically Florida, um, Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Arizona. Um, just to name a few really big key ones. Um, potentially Ohio. If Ohio doesn't go Republican, I will personally be very surprised. Um, but, uh, but no, like I, I personally, like polls right now show Joe Biden leading. Uh, 2016 literally terrorized all of us because of the polls. Yeah. But I, I, I do think Joe Biden's going to walk away with the victory, um, even if it's by a narrow margin. I think the bigger question is whether or not um, the sitting incumbent president, Donald Trump, uh, contests the election results. Yeah, yeah, which is, is tells you how far um, liberal democracy has fallen. But mm-hmm. honestly, that, that's even uh, that's even like a, a note that I'd made uh, just on on the show notes because obviously a big development from this week is Amy Coney Barrett. Um, she is the conservative justice appointed by Trump um, to the Supreme Court. She's replacing uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, longtime justice on the Supreme Court. Um, a liberal lion is that the proper word uh, but she died earlier this year um, um, actually just a few months ago so yeah Amy Coney Barrett she's replacing her um, you know known conservative um, I think she got sworn in yesterday and yeah, I, I think, believe that's the case yes. yeah and so like I remember when I saw that I immediately started thinking about Bush Gore especially like when you hear all the stuff Trump's been saying about how you know, he hasn't really made any clear statements about whether he's going to accept the results of the election. He keeps talking about how um, mail-in voting is, like, massively fraudulent, and even though he mail-in votes. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, like, how this whole election is illegitimate, which is, like, it's just the most obvious, like, it's the most obvious example he's preparing to lose. Like, no one talks about, like, if you if you go into a game and, like, yo, I think the refs are, the refs are being paid off. It's like, you only say that when you feel like you're about, you're about to lose. Um, but I remember, like when I when I when she got sworn in, I meant I immediately thought of like Bush Gore, um, and a lot of people would say the Supreme Court decided the election in 2000. Um, so I started like reading up on it because I didn't know what exactly happened in 2000 because I was like two years old, and pretty much what I saw was like I think the election came down to Florida um, in 2000, yeah. and after a recount, there was only a, a margin of like 300 votes in favor of Bush. Um, so pretty much there was a whole like back and forth between. Um, the Florida Florida Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court about whether or not they should perform a recount. Can you can you like is there a constitutional way to recount all the all the spoiled ballots and all these kinds of things? And pretty much what was decided is that there wouldn't be a recount. Um, and I think a lot of people say it was like the most partisan decision, um, I guess, made by the Supreme Court in recent memory, which pretty much gave Bush the presidency. Like I think to this day it's still an open question of whether or not George Bush got more votes than Al Gore um, in Florida in 2000. Like when you look at something like Trump, especially this year, 
when there's going to be all this crazy, well, there's going to be a whole lot more mail-in voting. And he's already like sowed the seeds very openly about the illegitimacy of it. Now he has a 6-3 majority on the, on the Supreme Court. It's kind of scary, I think, a little bit. And I don't know. A hundred percent. Well, and I think the really terrifying thing is um, that Amy Coney Barrett um, in her confirmation hearings refused to say whether or not she, um, they asked her her thoughts on like whether or not the president should commit to a peaceful transfer of power. And she refused to give her thoughts on it specifically because of the fact that she said it's like a political contestation and she didn't want to say it before the courts. Um, and honestly, I think the fact that we've gotten to a spot where a now a current Supreme Court justice has said that it's too much of a political conundrum to say whether or not you're willing to adhere to one of the most basic principles of any democracy is a really fundamental, is a fundamental threat to, to our, to some of the most important values um, in our world. Like I, I fundamentally, uh, I'm really scared to see the outcomes yeah. of this election because I think I honestly, my gut feeling is that the last four years have been, like personally, I think the last four years have been really awful for um, democracy all around for a variety mm -hmm. of reasons. I think the Trump administration has um, been as horrific as I think a lot of us were expecting. Um, but I think the worst will honestly be coming in the next few weeks. I think the worst yeah. um, mm -hmm. potentialities are to come still, which is terrifying. I think it's like pretty much a guarantee that like, there's a very good chance of at least on like tomorrow, November 3rd, that you, no one's going to know who won the election by the end of the day tomorrow. And it might be a few weeks. It might be, who knows, man, a few months. Like, okay, I don't know. Have you guys watched House of Cards? No. Yes, I have. Oh, okay. Mitchell, yeah, Mitchell, you've seen it. Like the last season, like literally what happens is this psychopath takes off, <laughs> takes power. And then to stay in power, he pretty much calls the entire election illegitimate. Um, and then he stays in office, even though he lost pretty much. He stays in office for like an extra three months until, you know, Kevin Spacey did his whole um, Me Too thing and then got kicked off the show. But, <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of that kind of hijacked the plot a little bit. But it's it's exactly what's going on with Trump. And it's freaky to see that. Um, but I know something. So even something I was thinking about the last couple of weeks is that like, you know, when you see the U.S., like like Mitchell, you're saying like the their democratic values deteriorating to the point where it is now where people are wondering, like, yo, can we even have a something as standard as a peaceful transfer of power anymore? I've heard people talk about like is there a civil war looming and things like that. I remember I was asking myself, like, why are we so especially like in people in Canada, like, why are we so like fixated on the U.S.? And like, I think obviously, you know, there's a good reason why we're fixated because, you know, it's the, it's the center of like media and, and the and economics globally and things like that. And they're the military superpower. But there's almost a part of like, is this, is it good for us to be so obsessed with this other country, which really doesn't care about us even remotely as much as we care about them? And like, I don't know, part of me is like, yo, should we just boycott the US and just stop caring as much as... <laughs> <laughs> as much as we do no i think it's true though like there was a point like i think it was when when donald trump just got elected that like my parents would only watch cnn yeah they were not, we were watching cbc we were only watching cnn and then you're just like i understand why it's important to tune into american politics but then i think when we do that sometimes things that are happening in our own backyard kind of slip under the radar yeah like this whole thing about like the fishing and the lobster fishing that like situation that's happening in um in nova scotia right now like you know why isn't our leader speaking out about that and we're all kind of looking at we're thinking about the election right now but like 
Has Trudeau even said anything about that? I don't think I've seen anything from him. Trudeau has said things, but they've been very generic. Um, or and I, I believe Trudeau said stuff, I should say. I'm not 100% certain. I know his ministers have. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, it's been very generic. Um, but I would, I would agree with Conscious Point writ large, though, I think. I, I think there's a good reason to fixate on U.S. politics for other reasons that, like, I, I, I still would say it's important to tune in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think a mistaken thing that comes out of it is I hear a lot of Canadians talk about how we're so much better off and uh, yeah. the sense of Canadian exceptionalism, where it's like Canadians would never do all this stuff. And it's like, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like Carter said, look to Atlantic Canada where um, fishermen are blatantly attacking um indigenous fisheries for fishing in areas where they have treaty rights to do so and it's been ruled by the canadian supreme court they have a right to do that um right. uh and it's do they burn stuff or i just remember they were building like block yeah they, they, they burned down, down a fishery, fishery or two, I, I believe injured, two in total yeah they injured people in doing so and nothing's being done but i just feel like if this was happening in the states like it would yeah oddly enough over yeah, it would be plastered all over the news. But here, yeah. all I see is, you know, U.S. election stuff, and it's not actually been covered that much by the news here, which is, like, weird. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the unfortunate thing of, like, when it comes to a lot of Canadians, when it comes to Canadian news, we kind of have a vague understanding of what's going on. But then yeah. when it comes to American news, we're just razor sharp, know all the details. Like, I remember I was sitting there a couple of days ago thinking to myself, I can probably name quite a few more U.S. federal politicians than I can in Canadian ones. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> Which is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> me day, I was like, who, who was the past? Was like, after Stephen Harper, I was like, who was the prime minister before him? I yeah. don't even know. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I know now, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> As a political science major, I can say that's very, very true. Um, uh, yeah just it's it's very accurate well but i think the thing and i think the reason the fixation on u.s politics is important because of the fact that i think like you know america started fundamentally started as a country as an experiment in democracy and in in um liberalism really at the end of the day uh like like they're the fundamental definition of what a liberal democracy is and i think a lot of times like where the usa goes a lot of other places not won't necessarily follow but they take they influence a lot of people um, like, you know, I think if, I think if we see Trump win, I think, um, I think the repercussions for, um, in Canadian politics will be felt a bit. Yeah. Um, obviously not just in terms of like just his policies, but also just the influence. Like, I mean, if you're a young conservative now, that's, that's not solely to call out conservatives, um, progressives and people on the left side of the spectrum are the same way, but you're going up where your main political figure and icon is Donald Trump. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's undeniable that will probably have an influence at some point. In the same way that, you know, when when um, a lot of progressives came of age, their inspiration was Obama. And Obama is a hugely inspirational figure in, in Canada, regardless of the fact that he technically has enough, like, he didn't implement any policies in our country. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I will say I think the fixation's warranted in the sense of, like, it's important to understand what's happening next there, to understand what might happen to democracy and liberal values here. But... Overall, we don't need to use it as a reason to say that Canada's on a gold pedestal compared to the U.S. because that's simply not yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of speaks to Canada's point. It's like sometimes, you know, when you're so focused on the U.S., it just allows all these things in Canada to, to just go unnoticed. Because I don't remember where I, I heard it, but I remember someone saying like a big part, like Canada doesn't really have a national identity, 
or at least it's hard to define. And like a big part of Canadians' identity is just not being American, which <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day is is still just a it's still just a fixation on America. And yeah. and so yeah, and so then you so then you can have things like what's happening in Nova Scotia, or mm-hmm. or um, like even what's happening in in Alberta, like some of the things which which, which happened last like yeah. year, you kind of go unnoticed because you're just so busy watching the U.S. You don't realize that you know some of those same things which you're criticizing um, are actually mm-hmm. happening like right here, which is messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I honestly I wonder like this fixation on the states. And this is a very like not nuanced like not like well thought out point because i'm not a poli size student or anything this is a safe space let's go uh, but like You're good it's only going to be broadcast but <laughs> uh, i'm not an expert in economies or anything or how you know global economies fit together but like this idea like a lot of it's this idea that america is like this big center for things and i know tom just mentioned that it's yeah. like um a military like um super center and stuff but like in a lot of other ways america is not that great of a country like they're yeah. they rank so low on so many things like the standard of living there isn't so great and i'm just like wondering like is this like obsessiveness with like america and like i think okay i think all this whole day of america as being great is like not seen by anyone else except for like in america yeah. and yet we still really really focus in on america so like is it just like are we just doing this out of like what's it called like routine now like you know because i feel like there was a point where america was quite a big player in like global economies uh-huh. and stuff but now at this point it's like is it is that still there when we see like people like you know suffering so much over there honestly Does i that think that makes sense i don't know <laughs> yeah no i think a big part of that yeah. is um like a part of why america has been so successful and like in building up this myth about them being the greatest country on earth. And the thing is like, Canada's done that to some extent too. Like a lot of Canadians just say, no, this is the greatest country on earth, which is really yeah. just as, just as, as uh, short-sighted. But um, right. it's because I think of how successful they've been just exporting their media. If you really, like, if you think about it, cause the thing is like, I, I listen to like my iPod is like 90 what percent american musicians and i listen to american podcasts i watch american tv shows american movies and so even though like i can watch the news and get a glimpse of the real america and say you know i'm kind of glad that i'm here and not there at the end of the day like a lot of the stuff that i intake is people talking about you know their local issues which are in america (laughs) Um, yeah and and it's so funny because sometimes I'll, i'll listen to americans talk and they'll be saying stuff like um you know, despite, you know, despite slavery and, and racism and, and, uh, and divisions and clashes in the streets and, uh, and massive wealth inequality, this is still the best country on earth. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how did you just yeah. list all of those things? And because yeah. I think maybe from the U S point of view, it's there's America, like the global map is just America and then a barren wasteland. <laughs> <everywhere else. laughs> It really does seem that way. There are so many other countries like China or like Sweden that rank so much higher in so many things. And yet, are we tuned into their media? I mean, I think you could say a little bit more about like media availability, but like, I don't really know what's going on in Sweden. I don't know, you know? You ain't wrong. Well, and (laughs) yeah, that's kind of, I I disagree with all of that. I, I, I get the focus on America is that like America was one of the major leaders in democratic movements, like I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think America's ever been um, 
perfect and i think i think anyone who says so is extremely flawed um um yeah. blatantly um but i i think that the idea is that like america i think like to like the idea i think maybe with the fixation is that american democracy like might hold the best chance of going forward or like like i like which i don't know if i would agree with but i think that's the idea behind yeah, it after 2020 it's all <laughs> yep <that's... laughs> What I was about to say, I think I think that this honestly might be the most fundamental test of whether or not American democracy can actually stand on its own is uh, if they destroy themselves um, uh, after the election on November third. Um, and once that happens, it's you know, it'll it'll kind of be a self-telling prophecy. Yeah. Is, and is, is plucky little Canada ready to fill the void? to take over <laughs> no. hell no girl <laughs> yeah, justin's bro. too busy justin's <laughs> too busy trying to call an election in the middle of a pandemic he thinks man. canadians will reward him for it which i would strongly disagree with but, yeah, I don't know. I I feel so like the quickly on the issue of Trudeau. Like I think Trudeau sometimes feels like invincible. Like he can do just about anything, mm, <laughs> and he'll yeah. still be he'll still be in power. But I don't know. Sir, mm. I think uh, just a general takeaway from all that is you know as you all probably tune into CNN or uh, Fox News or NBC to watch the the election tomorrow. Honestly, I probably will too. Even after everything I said today, I'll probably still be watching all those things. And seeing the state by state results, but um, you know, while you do that, kind of remember that there's stuff going on here too, um, yeah. <laughs> and just pretending that as long as things are okay or or worse in the states, then um, it's not as bad here. Uh, you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay woke, everybody. But uh, <laughs> kind of going stay to <laughs> kind of going to the next headline. Uh, Kadra, you had something. I know you said you were gonna pick your headline in the moment. <laughs> Um, which is talk about suspense, man. Like we <laughs> right now, right, like, before you say it, right now, do you know yeah. what you want to talk about, or is it? Still- I do know what I want to talk about. Okay. All right. I okay. do know. Drop it on us. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. So I think you know, as we were just talking about this coverage of local Canadian politics, it would be fitting to talk about the Wildcat strike that just happened this week. Damn. Can you fill us in a little more on what what that is? What's going on? Yeah. So I think it was Monday. Yeah. So that was October. Whoa, October. Today's what? Twenty eighth. Six. Twenty six. So October twenty six. Um, healthcare workers like across Alberta. They, um, they started striking and it was a wildcat strike in that it wasn't like approved by the union. They kind of just did it, right? Oh, really? Even a- a- AUP didn't? Because um, I saw their rep AUP was standing. They know about the strike, but they supported it. Like they were oh, there okay, to support. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, cause, because um, the Alberta government had just announced that they were cutting like 11,000 um, healthcare support yeah. jobs. So like people who clean, people who do um appointment booking and stuff so like support mm-hmm. jobs and so they took to the streets and they started um protesting across the province which was really great 
Turns out um, the minister, um, Minister Taves, came out and said that it was illegal. And I remember getting the press release in my email talking mm-hmm. about how it was illegal. And they brought it to the Alberta um, Labor Board Relations. And yeah, so the Alberta Board of Labor Relations actually did find it illegal. Um, and so the strike had to end for now, for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just found the language around the strike really interesting because the ministers and a lot of people on Twitter were saying that the strike was putting patients in danger and they were putting these patients' lives at risk by striking. And I just found it was it was such a, a good political tool to blame the workers, right? Mm-hmm. For these strikes that are happening because in reality, the work, like, I feel like healthcare workers are always put like, they always have to have, they always take the weight of people's conscience, you know, yeah. um, because people's lives are in their hands. But in reality, this time it's not about healthcare workers. The only reason they're striking is because of cuts. And these cuts are happening during a global pandemic. So really, like the conscience, the conscience delay on the Alberta government, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think even on the whole thing of like, um, you know, they're putting people's lives in danger. That's kind of like a short-sighted point of view. Because think about this. You're cutting 10,000 healthcare jobs in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Who's like, who's putting people's lives in danger right now? Hey, exactly. <laughs> like, it's not like, like Alberta's a growing province. Like, it's not like there's going to be less people here anytime soon. And you're cutting 10,000 jobs. Who's putting people who's in danger? Exactly. Yeah, well, and the, a lot of the reasoning behind cutting the jobs has been so, like, just so off. Um, like when they announced the job cuts, um, Minister Tyler Shandro, who's the Minister of Health in this province, said that he wasn't going to be cutting frontline workers. Um, an initial plan that was leaked to the CBC um, initially said they would be cutting 16,000 jobs, including some nurses. Um, oh. However, they said that they were going to go ahead with a less radical approach um, and only lay off 11,000. And these aren't frontline workers, but it's like, honestly, at the end of the day, um, I don't think that there's like, you're cutting sanitary people, like people yeah. who like sanitize healthcare stations in the midst of a pandemic. I don't understand how you think that you're not being detrimental to the healthcare system. And also I think, I, I have to say, like I don't think Albertans um, always, like I, like this is no shade at Albertans, I just don't, like a lot of times they don't always follow the media or like, or come up with a strong opinion on things. But I do think Albertans understand that I, I feel like Albertans aren't big fans of this, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, like at least the perceptions I've seen around like the posturing on healthcare it doesn't really make sense as to why the Alberta government is getting in a fight with healthcare workers in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. When they are the people that are front and center, it, it seems like a really off political strategy too. Um, and yeah, it makes me really frustrated, to say the yeah, least. Like it really is like a hell of a time to do it, especially like after we spent, you know, the last few months you know constantly applauding healthcare workers and saying how thankful yeah. we are for everything you do and like and uh, this isn't just the citizens doing this the government has been coming out and talking about mm-hmm. how how heroic these people are and then it's like ah but we can also save money so we're just gonna <laughs> lay off a sizable right. number of you well know. yeah i feel like a lot of the the discourse around this is contradictory people are like uh well like they're like people are like i i had to miss my knee surgery because of the strike whatever right I saw like an article an op-ed about that or whatever and then it's like so these people like but these people aren't important but they are important because you missed your your surgery right so it's just like there's a lot of contradictions where people are saying they're not important but the evidence and the things they're complaining about are obviously pointing to their importance you know 
Yeah, and, and people that I just, I just think sometimes people don't understand like how many people it takes to pull something off, like a like a healthcare system mm-hmm. or a hospital. Like you can't just have doctors. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, sure, doctors are important and they're gonna diagnose you and maybe do your surgeries and things like that. But a doctor doesn't have time to be you know changing people's beds or or moving people here or there or sanitizing everything, especially like with the with the increased protocols. And mm-hmm. like it doesn't. I don't know, man. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it's dull. Well, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mitch, you're gonna say something? Oh, uh, that's just the thing. Well, it's like I don't really understand why. Like, I think the thing about this approach to healthcare that I don't get right now is that there's a very like Kenny, um, and this isn't to come for for everyone in um the UCP to be clear. Uh but specifically with um, our current premier, he had a very ideological agenda. To be fair, he did get elected on it. But um, mm-hmm. in the midst of a pandemic, I don't really get why you haven't shifted away from that. Like, you know, um, I think Premier Doug Ford in Ontario is a great example of someone who also had a very similar ideological agenda, um, comes from a very similar background and changed course in the pandemic. Yeah. And now he's one of the most liked premiers in the country. And it's very surprising to me to see someone who's um, as politically adapt as um, Premier Kenny, who's been around politics for a long time, who seems to fundamentally not understand that not steering course is potentially why he's become one of the most unpopular premiers in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Like the fact that they also, they, I mean, this is out of anyone's control other than the United Conservative base, but they also did pass a motion um, saying that they'd support it to tier private like a two-tier yeah, healthcare yeah, system with one big... private and one public sector yeah at, at their party convention which is out of out of any politician's control um it's the political party supporters like grassroots supporters who show up to vote that decide that mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it still sends the wrong message in the midst of a pandemic and instead of actually commenting on it and i think it's a cowardice thing to have um mm-hmm. your premiers and your ministers just not acknowledge that that happened yeah uh, um, and cool. yeah so oh sorry no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and like, just to, like, yeah, like, what do you want healthcare workers to take from that? You're cutting their jobs. You're sending mixed signals on whether or not you would support the establishment of a private sector. Um, like, this is why, this is why they left. This is why they left. This is why they're marching. <laughs> There's nothing else to say about that. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I don't want to, like, break it. We just talked about how we should stop basing ourselves around the American politics. But mm-hmm. I do think that unlike American politics, there are certain topics that most Canadians aren't super polarized about. And I would argue that like universal healthcare is one of those things where yeah. most Canadians yeah. agree that this is something that's super important to us. And so this like this these strikes, these like this, these issues, they're like above parties at this point, right? I mean, I think most Albertans are, whether they're NDP or whatever, are like are upset about the cuts to healthcare, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, I feel like healthcare work. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Say you're about to sound like you're about to. Make oh, I just feel. Like, I feel like healthcare workers, you know, under this guise that they get paid a lot, which isn't necessarily true for all healthcare workers. Especially the people who are getting cut. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like they're expected to just give so much of themselves until they're literally just like a hollow shell. Like they're working through a pandemic right now. That's dangerous, right? Yeah. Um, and I just feel like healthcare workers are so expected to give so much and just to give and give and give. And like, it's just not fair. I feel like it's not fair, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think yeah. um, uh, maybe maybe the last word. I don't know if, if any of you have something to add on it, but I, I also think it's really important to like disabuse people of this notion that like you know when like especially because the UC the yeah the, the provincial government they've a lot of times when they make these cuts, whether it's in it's in healthcare or um, like Mitchell, you'll talk about a little bit in uh, in post secondary education. It's under the guise of like, oh, we're reducing red tape. Like, there's literally a minister of red tape reduction. Like, yeah. we're, we're about, yeah. it's about reducing <laughs> red tape. We're getting rid of all this administrative stuff, which um, which yeah. you know, which is redundant. It isn't necessary. And like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, the reality is, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. When you when you make these massive cuts to industries, let me let me tell you about the real trickle down. Like people, like essential <laughs> people, <laughs> essential people, you know, lose jobs. Services get delivered, you know, less efficiently when you're when you're making these massive wholesale cuts. And it's not just administrative people that, that are disappearing. It's not just people who who do like redundant tasks. And I, I think for a lot of people, like when you're trying to rationalize this to yourself and say like, oh, the only person losing their job is. Uh, is some pencil pusher or something like that it's like no no, no man and, and honestly at the end of the day you might find out just how important that pencil pusher was um <laughs> once they're out of those positions so I, it, it is one of the things where i think a lot of times um like like, like you're saying I, I think a lot of times albertans we just kind of aren't privy to some of these things or we don't think about it too much um but it is kind of scary the kind of uh, dismantling that's going on you know yeah oh, definitely um but yeah to, to hop into just i guess a little bit more of a light-hearted headline i guess depending on how you uh depending on how you view it um just yesterday our favorite socialite kim kardashian um she just turned 40 looking great for 40 wow um <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but this is the tweet which kind of set twitter off yesterday um she said after let me just read it um listen to your voice after two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine, I surprised my closest inner circle with a trip to a private island where we could pretend things were normal just for a few brief moments in time. And it includes, uh, it includes a few pictures of, uh, of her and uh, her family and friends. Here I see Caitlyn Jenner, Chloe, um, some guy, I don't know, uh, Tristan. That's Tom. Rob. Oh, yeah, uh, Scott. It seems like there's a whole... Uh, does that- plethora of people but pretty much twitter was uh, some of the memes that people made <laughs> um, uh, so funny yeah like there's a there's a few of uh what was that one swedish movie the one about like that midsummer little- midsummer, midsummer. <laughs> yeah yeah that's some because po- you tweeted it <laughs> uh, yeah someone posted a picture of midsummer with uh with the <laughs> caption um some of like uh like game of thrones uh, yeah another one of oh this i actually love this one tom hanks with the um, with the volume <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, uh, that's brilliant Tom Hanks Castaway iconic that's um, yeah. funny um but I don't know I guess aside from aside from I guess how tone deaf this is which is honestly that's kind of no offense like that's that's Kim Kardashian's natural state <laughs> um, mm-hmm. is being tone deaf to you know to, to put out a tweet of I'm going to a private island to just pretend things are normal when are things normal mm-hmm. on a private island <laughs> I'm just well, yeah um aside from nice yeah there's like this weird phenomenon like i I don't know if you've all seen it of just it seems like celebrities are the people who are exempt from covid um like you always see these clips be it be a kim kardashian or private island with you know seems like a like quite a few people 
Um, I think Cardi B had a party a while ago. There was a bunch of people, not too many masks. And Tiffany Trump. Tiffany Trump, yeah. And like, I, I get, you know, some Kylie of the, I, get, I get, obviously, they're saying things like, you know, we have people quarantined and we have access to all these tests. But even that, you know, it's, it's kind of a clear sign of, I guess, the, like, the stratification that's come out of the pandemic. Yeah. Like, some people can just buy tests for all their homies and then get on a private mm-hmm. jet. Um, while other people, you know, are waiting however long to get a test. Uh, and it's weird. Because I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, do you remember all those things where people were saying, like, oh, this is the great leveler? You know, now we're all stuck at home. Oh. <laughs> um, like, everything is equal now. And it's yeah, like, right. nah, no, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not equal. Not even a little bit. <laughs> they, they're going to say that when, like, the world is, like, finally ending, when we hit, like, environmental disaster, and the slogans yeah. will be on the moon. And the, Yeah, so, yeah. They're all flying on, a, on, on Elon Musk's Tesla rocket, <laughs> flying yeah. off to the moon. <laughs> and we'll be down here fighting, like, these human-sized rats for food yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be mall people living underground. Uh, you'll floor. be fighting. I I am the human rat. Um, you'll be fighting. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mitch's competitiveness is just took on another level. <laughs> bless, honest yeah. to God, if you have it, dog, it dog is this place right beside the dog. It so good, my favorite. Right, it looks like it would be so bad, but it's amazing, it's life changing. Um, I would, I would. A bogey poutine. Rat. Oh so good um but sorry to go back to um uh, yeah I, I would agree i mean can like honestly all these messages that a lot of celebrities are putting out there are tone deaf is like completely just tone deaf there's nothing else to say about it um uh, and i think it just shows yeah just the amount of privilege it takes to be like in the midst of a global pandemic i'm going to return to normal for my birthday like there's i i guarantee you there's countless people that feel the same way you know my, my sister's birthday is in two weeks i wish i could return to normal so i could actually sit beside my sister and give her a real hug because we don't live together yeah um however the reality is i'd rather have my sister alive than um than risk that and that's the reality for most the everyday normal people um yeah. and people like kim kardashian west don't seem to understand that ever um, but she's yeah. just immune from the consequences of that because of her exorbitant amount of wealth. And that's the thing. It's like, I feel as though like the really egregious aspect of it, it's like not even the fact that you went on a private island, but then the fact that you publicize it and have that mm-hmm. caption. Because the reality of it, like, you know, there's levels to this. And I realize that even my version of a quarantine is a lot better than a lot of other people's. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like oh, yeah. I'm having a way easier time than a lot of people, you know. Like, I was, I was already thinking about mm-hmm. this yesterday. I'm really lucky to have a job where I can, um, you know, work from home and get paid to, to mm-hmm. work on my laptop and not have to leave, not to put myself in danger, all these kinds of things. And like, I realize that I'm in a good position in, in that respect. But there's a difference when you start like posting it. And I know like that her whole job is to post, like she gets paid to be famous, which is a whole other yeah. conversation of why, why that's a thing. But, that's a but it's just, thing. it's just messed up, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Do you guys remember, speaking of tone of celebrities, do you remember at the beginning of pandemic when a bunch of celebrities started freaking imagine? <laughs> like, wait, what did that do for anybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, God, the like, and all her friends. I blocked yeah. that out of my head. No, oh, imagine all the people. I remember, like, a month ago, I saw a tweet. It's like, it's so crazy that we were literally inside for 48 hours, and the celebrities are like, Oh, I know. Inspire everyone. We've been inside for two days. 
Like, <laughs> so I guess there's like, there's the Kim Kardashian tone deaf who's like, whatever, I'm rich, deal with it. And yeah. then there's the celebrities who are like, we're trying to help you with just our presence. We're so woke type of ignorance. So Yeah, well, I think honestly, I'm actually, I'm pulling it up just because I want to make sure I get the facts right. But I think it goes to a broader ignorance of celebrities in general and their repercussions from the everyday world. Um, I think Kim Kardashian is a great example because she also got a lot of flack on, she went on David Letterman's um, talk show on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and she basically made comments about how she was so happy um, when she, when Trump was in power, she went and tried to convince him to do criminal justice reform. Um, mm -hmm. and so that she was happy she could like contribute to his administration and stuff and David Letterman was essentially like but you're working with like like doesn't that like doesn't matter that you're not coming out against the president that is completely oppressive to a lot of people she basically yeah. said that she puts policy over people but I think that in and of itself speaks to how people privileged she is that oh mm -hmm. uh, no policy over people she she specifically oh. said that like she would rather work with anyone on policy regardless of who's in power, which I, I, I get. I get that that's a legitimate perspective to have. But it's also easy for her to say that she doesn't care who's in power in the White House when it honestly at the end of the day won't affect her. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like she gonna be rich either way. She gonna be rolling up money. She's gonna be rolling up <laughs> with Rob, Courtney, uh, Kit, uh, all, keep going, all keep of going, them. Mitch, you committed. All of them. Kylie, <laughs> name um, the whole Kendall. squad. <laughs> Chris, um, not Caitlin. I did not see Caitlin there. Black um, China, Scott. Black China. China. <laughs> Are um, we going exes? Lamar, uh, Ray J. <laughs> oh. You didn't see me say Kanye. I would pay such good money if Ray J showed up to something. Was Kanye like, there? He's a jackass. I but... don't know. I don't know what Kanye's doing. And that's the thing. It's like even with with uh, with Kim Kardashian. Like I know like the criminal justice stuff. Like where she was getting those people out of prison. That. Like honestly, honestly speaking, it definitely softened my perspective of her. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like here's because it, it is a good thing. If someone's in prison for however many years for a nonviolent offense and you help get them out of get help 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 get them out of prison, I'm not gonna knock you for that. That's obviously yeah a great thing you're doing. But yeah, but then there's just also like like you're saying, there's a there's just a, this bigger picture um that's going on. And it's interesting because you bring up um her interview on what's the name of that show? Um I guess some I guess my guest tonight. I'm gonna double check so we can get it right real quick, and then we can. Yeah, I'm looking up. Cut it. Um, oh, my guest needs no introduction. Yeah, that's it. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. it's yeah that David Letterman show. And the thing is, I, I did you see the episode? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the episode in its entirety. I've seen clips. Yeah, like one thing I heard from it <clears throat> was that it was really almost humanizing because I think there's a part where she talks about, um, you know, where she got uh, robbed at gunpoint. In, in yeah Paris and like how traumatic that was and i remember i remember that like when that happened like people were kind of just joking about it because obviously like nothing she didn't die or anything so everyone was just kind of clowning yeah. her. uh and i remember people saying like actually watching her talk about it you realize like oh this is a real person and then literally a few days after that you're posting about going to your private island it's like <laughs> ah, no <laughs> <We're back. laughs> yeah well that's the yeah. thing well even even for present of that story in some ways like you know I, I have a lot of sympathy for the fact she was robbed um I've lost mm -hmm. the fact she was like held at gunpoint um because as someone who hasn't been held at gunpoint um I've been I've been held at knife point before but not at gunpoint um what are you talking about um, what someone like um like threaten you with a prosthetic leg or something <laughs> like, what's no going? no a knife um, it was <laughs> what? <laughs> um oh wait a second did you say knife or leg 
knife. Oh, I heard leg. <laughs> I heard leg. I got I'm I'm losing my mind. That's, that's <laughs> I've been held at leg point and I was like, is this a weird sexual thing or is he talking about getting <laughs> Held at leg point. They're just like, <laughs> oh like freeze. <laughs> yeah. just, I really did not. Um, oh my god. I'm old folks. Yes, he, he has no hair. <laughs> you, know, you know I'm sensitive about that. This is a choice. This is a choice. I cut it short. It's uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, just. I have sympathy for the fact she was robbed at gunpoint. I have no doubt it's really traumatizing. Yeah. However, she also, at the end of that, was like, I told my sisters immediately afterwards how happy I was that it was me and not them because I'm the strongest (laughs) in the family. And it's like, honestly, I remember that, yeah. Honestly, that's like kind of a questionable thing. If I got robbed at gunpoint, I don't think I'd be like, well, thank God it was me and not (laughs) not you. I mean, I'm pretty strong with this kind yeah. of stuff. Like, like, literally only Superman should be able to say that. Like, yeah, if your skin yeah. is impervious to bullets, yeah, thank God it was you, not me, but anyone else. Yeah. I'm going to wait till I get robbed by gunpoint, and then I'm going to message all of you that. <laughs> like, thank God it was me and not you. Because that's what yeah, she like, said. She texted them afterwards, or she said it in a phone call afterwards. And oh, I was like, girl. Man. But yeah, yeah. I... I, I it humanizes her, but like it's important to remember that Kim Kardashian West is a human. Um, yeah, going through a ton yeah. of stuff. I have no doubt about. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like obviously, I think there's anything that a lot of celebrities have taught us. Um, it's that fame is not always easy. Um, uh, mentally, uh, um, it's easy in a lot of other aspects, um, as <laughs> Kim also exemplifies. But it's just yeah, it's just like try and stay connected to like what actually matters. Like, no one cares about the fact we're on a private island. The reason we care is because it's ridiculous and it looks tone deaf when you have that inexorbitant amount of wealth that you could use to actually do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think the big takeaway from that is, you know, sometimes just keep it to yourself, Kim, please. <laughs> we, <laughs> we do not need to know. Um, we don't want to know. Yeah, especially at a time like this. Um, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's it for headlines. Um... I think now would be a good time. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about, about the U.S., about our um, dislike of our talking about the U.S., and then we talked about Kim Kardashian, <laughs> which, I, yeah, I don't know if we're, we're really taking any hard stances on our, on our feelings about talking about <laughs> American issues. But um, we do think it is obviously important. You know, this is, uh, we are, we do work for a student-run magazine. Um, we do want to at least have some focus on uh, on the u of a so at the at least at the end of every episode we want to end it with a special section looking at uh campus news um i, I was thinking of maybe doing a little like audio transition like a little jingle i don't know mm-hmm. if that'll be in the episode maybe i'll do a little sound effect like go campus, campus news, 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 news. um mitchell you actually wrote an article i believe it was last week it went up on the site gatewayonline.ca um but uh yeah you you wrote an article last week which was talking about um u of a tomorrow which is some of the restructuring going on at the u of a got quite a bit of response i was actually read it again this morning very good job mitchell uh oh thank you i I appreciate that but you know just for the you know the, the podcast audience maybe people didn't get a chance to check out the editorial um can you fill us in a little bit more about what u of a tomorrow is and like why exactly we should be so um concerned about it I'd be happy to. Um, yeah. So the U of A Tomorrow initiative is um, is a restructuring initiative that's being undertaken by the University of Administ- uh, Administration right now in response to um, 
the provincial government's budget cuts to post-secondary. So um, it's hoping to find $120 million worth of savings. Um, yeah. yeah, which is a, it's a huge amount to say the least. Um, and they're going to do this through restructuring. So through um, like merging or, co or combining faculties, um, merging, combining departments down to a certain point and through um, administrative restructuring. So it's comprised of two different initiatives. It's comprised of first academic restructuring, which is moving around faculties and departments yeah. um, through which they hope to be able to eliminate some support positions in those faculties. Um, if you merge two faculties together, instead of having five workers for each faculty, you might be able to get away with having seven for one, for example. Um, uh, and then the other half of it is um, the service excellence transformation or set which is uh, administrative restructuring. So that's trying mm -hmm. to make it so that administrative jobs are as streamlined as possible and that we're finding as many reductions in uh, administration and administrative supports as possible. Yeah. So um, there's already been a lot of progress made on it. It was started in May and to date, um, administrative restructuring actually was approved earlier this month uh, by the Board of Governors. Uh, so they've approved the model. Um, they're still waiting for feedback, but the model they've set has been finalized and will be implemented actually starting in November. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been very, very quick. And then academic restructuring, they've released an interim report, uh, which details three different restructuring scenarios. Um, the one of which is most preferred is scenario B, uh, which would combine um, basically a bunch of faculties until there's six faculties um, down from the current of 18. Uh, so major, major transformation. Uh, but the reason that myself and a lot of other, um, uh, some other students, but a lot of faculty and a lot of support staff are concerned about this is that this process being done in such a way that undermines the values of post-secondary education. Um, yeah. Like the administrative restructuring um, in the in, uh, in, for the academic restructuring in the interim report, they say scenario B is their preference um, because it's a cost saving, it'll save $43 million um, uh, when they do all these restructuring. But they also attribute like a series of, of buzzwords to it. They, you know, they say it's EDI focused, it's student focused. It's um, That was, that was the funny one. Cause I was like, how does this have to do with equity yeah, versus it's... inclusion? Like you just, you, 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 it's cuts, that's all it is. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. Um, well, which the is argument how... is, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, no. it's, yeah, and Kadra can fill us in on that in a second to some of the buzzwords, because um, how she's been attending town halls as well. Uh, but I, like, they don't give any metrics behind these words. Um, they haven't presented to date um, clear metrics at the Board of Governors or at the General Faculties Council. Um, and so these buzzwords are really meaningless, in my opinion. Like, there's no, there's no, like, distinctive, actual hard proof that they're presenting. Um, but what they are, like when you actually look at the facts of what restructuring does to other universities um, where similar processes have been taken, specifically the University of Sydney, it means de-skilling academic support positions. It means um, centralizing student supports. So instead of going to like faculty for a lot of your supports to student, you'll go through a general service hub, yeah. um, what they're calling the center of excellence, um, <laughs> uh, which is- The uh, branding, man, the branding. Yep. Wait, um, Center of Excellence is something else, isn't it? Is it? No, so they have centers of excellence. So they have, which is um, actually that like, you might actually be true. Service hubs and then centers of excellence, like those are two different things. Two. Then I might rephrase that. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, instead of instead of having um, people go to their faculty to get administrative support and to get like help, students will have to go through um, a general support center that 
at University of Sydney students, they are just so depersonalized that they, they don't treat you like a student, they treat you like a number and a machine. Uh, yeah. And so that's my first issue with it is that this restructuring process doesn't really take students into account. Um, they don't even account for student experience metrics, which is things like, are students having a good time? Um, the interim report by, um, in an addendum report by now specifically says that those metrics aren't compelling um, or aren't particularly compelling, uh, which is ridiculous. And then uh, the other half of it is that the process by which they're going around it is they're, they're consulting with people, but this consulting process oh, has been taken up in such a way that it's, it's not consulting. If you go to town halls and they have the most liminal forms of Q&A, where you have character limits on what questions you can ask, presenters mm -hmm. choose which questions to answer, um, democratic engagement scholars at the university have called it a sham. Uh, and so really for me, the biggest issue is all of this comes together to kind of go against the point of post-secondary education, you know? If the point is engaging with higher ideas and trying to further the experience of students and staff, then honestly, looking at this initiative um, and the specifics of it, I don't see how it does that in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and I think, uh, like... I remember even reading your articles reading today, like probably the biggest thing which stood out to me is um, you pointed out how, like you said before, the University of Sydney, they've had the same kind of restructuring happen there. Um, and I think, yeah, you said it was even by the same firm uh, was in charge of it. And I think you said, even though despite University of Sydney being one of the biggest universities in, in Australia, in terms of like student experience surveys, they ranked like 40 out of 41, which is pretty wild. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, but Kadri, uh, you, you were saying something about the buzzwords? What was that? I forgot. Before. What was that? What were we talking about? Uh, EDI focused. Yeah, the EDI focused. Oh, yay. So like the whole idea there from what I've heard from the same presentation at every town hall is um, that like um, certain like faculties or departments, they have like a dean or an associate dean or something of like EDI, but it's not continuous. So their idea is like, by centralizing and making these three, you know, overseeing administrative structures, we can all have an EDI dean. But like, what does EDI even mean at the university level? Let's be honest. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what gets me is like, what metrics are driving these decisions? The only, yeah. the only clear metrics to me are their estimated cost savings. Um, where you know they would save forty-three million dollars if they went ahead with their preferred thing, but beyond that. It doesn't seem like other metrics are really important, um, or at least if they are, it isn't clear in their presentation or their interim report. Um, uh, and you know, like for for myself, like I think the student experience thing really drives it home too. Because yeah, the University of Sydney has been dropping in um, their national student experience survey in Australia. It's something that's like a huge part of their post secondary. Um, system in Australia is they give out this huge survey in which they ask students questions and they evaluate at the end. And yeah, looking at the University of Sydney, the fact that it's 40th out of 41, I think should be taken into account. I think it should 100% be taken into account in restructuring. Um, yeah. And yeah, the fact that I haven't really heard, like administration hasn't really made clear if they've even seen these metrics is kind of concerning to me. And I, I think, I feel as though it's really important to like, kind of you know specify who's ultimately accountable for all these things because like i like honestly at the end, at the end of the day and I, like i don't want to rag too much on the provincial government even though like i 
could but um like at the end of the day it wasn't the u of a's idea to to cut 110 million dollars of the no, funding. yeah and like that's kind of and and th- like and this is this is this, this is the kind this is the thing i was talking about even with the uh, with healthcare. it's like when the provincial government talked about these cuts it was like oh we're gonna reduce red tape at the u of a and, and there's gonna be um you know less administrative clutter and all these things and sure mm-hmm you can read the reports and look at plan B and you see words like excellence and um, EDI focus. And you think to yourself, Oh, it's going to be wonderful the U of A. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be, you know, so cozy together um, in their six. Yeah. But in reality, we're just going to be in cramped <laughs> classrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the kind of cozy you're looking for, but it's like, this is the reality of when you get such intense cuts, mm-hmm. uh, the repercussions are felt all the way down. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, the provincial governments made a really big deal out of wanting to make post-secondary more efficient. Um, Matt Wolf, who's the, um, is uh, the premier's director of issues management, tweeted out specifically that the U of A is um, among, is is very inefficient, is what he said, basically, said it was not an efficient institution. And, you know, I, I don't know by what measurement they're, measuring that by, I mean, we did just win a Nobel Prize in Canada. Um, I would say that's pretty mm. efficient. And granted, he didn't make those, like he didn't make those points before that happened. But at the end of the day, um, if, if you're counting efficiency in like, in ways that are efficient in that the University of Alberta is contributing to certain sectors of the economy or certain outcomes in the economy, that's a very liminal way to look at post-secondary education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's that's definitely the concern with UVA tomorrow. I mean, Cadre still is continuing great news coverage of it. Uh, Cadre <laughs> and the news team have been amazing. Um, I obviously can't. can't, play, can't uh, I, I can't say what Cadre did on camera. But, <laughs> yep. uh, we appreciate you, Cadre. Um, <laughs> remember it. that you are loved. You are you are loved, Cadre. You're loved. Exactly. Well, I know Cadre can't comment on this, um, uh, but. I'm just going to say props to the news team because I've gone to a lot of these town halls and I every single time you guys write an article about it and you find something new to say, I have to be honest, they don't say a lot of new things at these town halls in my subjective no. opinion. Mm-hmm. So props to the news team for always finding a new angle to, to approach Aww. it from and finding new information yeah. in the midst of, of presentations that are nearly identical every time and questions <laughs> that are nearly <laughs> identical every time. Basically, propaganda hour, just kidding, don't put it in there. That was, that was actually one of the workshop names of this podcast but um <laughs> yeah. yeah who cares <laughs> this is supposed to be that but we had to we, we had to change it um you know powers things like that but uh, yeah i mean cause yeah i don't know how you feel about everything tom is uh like how do you guys feel actually as science students about restructuring because both of you both of you what's cadre you're like split but I'm done after this, like I've, I'm taking three classes this semester and none of them, I'm done my science degree, like all the aspects of my science degree are done. Like I'm taking two English classes and a, and a hundred level human geography class. So I'm done after this uh, year, I'm thinking of taking one class next semester. So I, I have to say there is a part of me which is kind of checked out. I'm like science, yo, sucks for you, man. <laughs> um, yeah. But um yeah it definitely like looking at it it is kind of it is kind of disheartening to think of you know what is the u of a's reputation or stature gonna be in a couple mm-hmm. of years and and you already see things like you, i've seen a lot of really like smart intelligent people in the last couple of months 
talking about like, yo, I don't know if I see my future um, in Alberta or at the U of A and they're going to places like BC or they're going East and things yeah. like that. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer to watch, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I think, yeah, I, I know I've talked a lot with actually, um, just a lot of people in my personal life about that too. And it's like, I don't know, like, why, why would you stay in Alberta? Like, I, I, I'm someone who loves Alberta, too. I'm born and raised in, here in Edmonton. Um, I've, despite having been an angsty teenager who was like, there's nothing to do in Edmonton, meh, when I was, like, <laughs> 16, um, I've come to really love this province. Uh, but mm-hmm. honestly, as someone who, as someone who's, like, a post-secondary student who might continue post-secondary studies, I don't see why people would stay here when the government, the government has given such harsh cuts to so many sectors um like if you're not an oil and gas worker i don't know why you would stay here and if you're an oil and gas worker you only have a few decades left before that goes even even no. at the best estimates doomsday mitch <laughs> just <laughs> saying um like why why would you stay like if you're a healthcare worker why would you not go to bc where they're investing in healthcare? um yeah I, yeah if you're if you're a post-secondary student why would you want to do a graduate degree at the University of Alberta. You know, there's a lot of great scholars. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of brilliant scholars at the U of A. Why would you stay if the government's not going to help you and if the university administration's going to blatantly disregard your feedback through consultation mm-hmm. processes that are have been described as sham processes by their own faculty members? Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. <sighs> Dang, man. Well, I think uh, obviously U of A tomorrow, that's, that's an ongoing developing thing. Um, and cadre and the news team they're keeping their eye on it on the on the website excellent reporting um i i I highly suspect um future episodes of the podcast it's probably going to come up again um especially as new things uh develop but uh but i think um i think that's all for that's all for today um great job everybody you know i think that was, that, was a, that was a nice start. That was a nice start. Yeah. Um, we had it laughs. Took two hours, but it was good. Hey, hey, hey! Don't don't let them tell. It took us so long. <laughs> yeah, um, the the actual episode hopefully a little bit little bit more edited down and and clean and crisp. But um, overall, uh, I just want to say thank you all for tuning into um, episode one of the Byliners. Um, we'll see you again Yay. next Monday afternoon. If you're listening to this on CJSR, um, right now we're in the middle of the fun drive, so make sure to open your wallets and you know support um, campus media uh, through CJSR. Um, and yeah, we'll see you all next week. So you guys all want to say bye? Bye-bye. Oh, Mitchell, you, you oh, just give God. money? Oh, I was going to say give money, pew, support pew, local pew, media. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Make this journalism possible. Okay, see everybody. Bye. <laughs>